Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Stud Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. Monday morning, and it's the Gridiron Stud Show. We're here to bring you the breakfast toast. I'm Chad Wilson. He's Amo Calamino, and we're ready to wrap up a weekend of uh, college and NFL football for you. Amo, anything on your mind? Because I've got a few things on mine. So, you know, I'm just telling you to let yours out now before I unload. Uh, Let's see. Briefly. Uh, College, uh, all year on the show, I've been telling you Justin Wilcox is terrible. USC's defensive coordinator. The season ended, the regular season ended after the uh, Pac-12 championship game, and uh, what was he fired in about 12 hours by the new coach? Which I give the new coach credit. Tells me at least the guy. Well, making I'm, hey, decisions. hold on. Just because he was fired, does that mean he was bad? What makes him so bad? How about that? You well, number one, you know, USC looks like they're not coached to me. I mean, I watched some of the things. Like, first of all, this is, and I don't know if you read this because I know you were busy with your own game on Saturday, but um, mm-hmm. apparently McCaffrey, when USC had the lead and momentum in that game, they've come back from 13 nothing, catches a 67-yard touchdown pass right down the middle of the field. And mm-hmm. I guess on the headset, Helton went up to there and said, who's responsible for McCaffrey on that play? The response was, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that, that's usually wrong a clue. That's usually a clue for me. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, well, it's absolutely, positively, the wrong answer. Um, correct, man. Um, then we go to. <laughs> I can't even. Later I want to defend game. the guy, but I can't. Yeah, you can't. Later in the game, there's another. It's still tight now. USC's twenty-seven, twenty-two. McCaffrey gets loose again for another big one. Now, don't forget, now, this guy literally beat USC by himself. The guy had 400 and some yards of total offense, okay? The quarterback for Stanford, I think, was 9 of 12 for 140 yards, okay? The kid won the game by himself. And don't forget, of those 140, about 100 were to him, okay? And he gets free again, okay? How do you not account for, basically, the other team's offense? It's like saying we didn't cover Reggie Bush, now, if a guy, if he runs away from somebody, that's different. That means you couldn't cover him. But how do you just let him stand there free, like just by himself? There's nobody around him. Yeah, well, um, I, I guess the right move was, I mean, it's not a surprising move. I think everyone expected this to happen, and uh, it did indeed go down. So he's, But he, he did he vastly, him and that's what I like. And it wasn't just Wilcox, it was other parts of that staff and he kept guys that I actually think are good coaches such as T Martin such as uh, the guy with the funny name I could never say Tuyas Sopo um mm-hmm. he kept some guys like that he got rid of the offensive line coach who uh, Sarkeesian brought him in from Oklahoma State it was one of those finesse offensive line he knew how to run Sark's flag football offense he got rid of him mm-hmm. I like guys that mm-hmm. make decisions they don't sit around for weeks figuring out what they should do. You know, he, he he was there long enough. He made a decision. He moved on. Now, you ask me what else is on my mind? The Patriots. They're still playing flag football. And it's going to uh, catch up with them. 
yeah, look, and you know, I brought this up earlier. This was, uh, you know, sooner or later, not really being committed to a run game was going to catch up with them. Looks like that's what's indeed happening here. The good thing for the Patriots is that it's happening now and that you didn't float through an entire regular season thinking everything was okay, running the ball 20, 21 times a game, especially when you have a lead and a comfortable lead, and then, you know, you come unglued in the playoffs. So let's, if you're a Patriot fan, hope that they have uh, enough good sense to realize that this is the problem and you don't need to run everything through um, you know, Tom Brady for, for you guys to be what you are. I mean, Tom Brady's already established himself, okay? Uh, it's okay now if he turns around and just hands the ball off and chews up some clock. But, um, you know, another situation yesterday in which, you know, they, they I think they ran the ball, I can look it up, uh, 25, 28 times, something like that. 25 which times is not, yesterday for, you know, not terrible, but, you know, they also threw 57 passes in that game. I mean, I sit there, I watch them the way they play football, and, you know, that the 100-yard interception return was just, you know, another, you know, they don't have a big go-to receiver down there. They don't want to run the football, and it leads to situations like that where, you know, you could make a mistake. Brady doesn't do it often, but, again, he doesn't have his big target, Gronk. They allowed a, a punt block for a touchdown, a punt return for a touchdown. They did yesterday what other teams typically do against the Patriots, come unglued. Yeah, uh, and that's exactly what it looked like because those kind of errors, especially in a special teams game, is not not normal for this team. So, uh, once again, we'll be saying to ourselves here this week, let's see how they bounce back. Uh, Amos, listen, I went to the – obviously went to the SEC championship game this weekend, spent the weekend in Atlanta, and uh, watched, um, you know, a football game, a great experience obviously uh not the outcome i wanted obviously because i'm you know rooting for the florida gators my son plays for the team for anyone who's new to the program uh the offense was was dismal miserable um and as much as people want to take off on Trayon harris about it um obviously hasn't played well of late but that's a pretty damn good alabama defense you know um i'm i'm uh, i know a little i know a little bit about the game of football and so watched uh, Alabama on defense, and there's a reason why they have dominated people, and uh, they 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 have a they have a really great unit. That front seven that they have is uh, man as good as any in the country, if not the best. So it was um, it it was impressive to watch. Uh, not fun to watch Florida try to operate offensively against that. But here's my deal: I am uh, completely fed up and disgusted, and I've had enough of uh, these boo-boo fans and some of the media that want to spend every single year talking about the SEC is overrated. Oh, I'm sick of the SEC bias and this, that, and the other. Listen, we have raised in this country, I guess this generation that we've got going on here and maybe the one right before it, we've just raised a nation of complainers. Uh, You know how I know the SEC is best? They've got the longest list of haters. I don't hear anyone saying anything the about truth. the Pac-12, the Big Ten. The SEC must really be the best because I just get to hear this nonsense all day, up and down my timeline on Facebook. And then your boy Colin Cowherd, our boy, because you know I don't, I'm not a Colin Cowherd hater. You know I actually like Colin Cowherd, but then he jumps in on it. And I don't know if this is something if he that he would have done if he was still on ESPN, but he's over to Fox now, and he needs to reclaim some of the listeners and eyeballs. Uh, because the show is on his radio show is on TV, he hops on this train, which I was truly disappointed in. But uh, he's hopping on this train of 
trying to get down on the SEC. Let me tell you something, Emil. I was there in Atlanta. There was probably 90,000. Whatever the Georgia Dome holds, they filled it to capacity, and there were probably people in that stadium some kind of way without tickets. But outside of that stadium, there must have been fifteen to 20,000 people while the game was going on. So if you folks out there that are crying and poo-pooing and, and, and spitting bubbles out of your mouth every year, crying about the SEC, let me let you know something. The SEC is where the money is at. And in this day and age, that's kind of how things work. Their fans show up to games. Their fans are diehard. Their fans are all in. The SEC, SEC football in the SEC country is religion. That's what it is. Well, wait, is can, I, can I tell you how I know it's the best? It's real simple. Let me read this to you. September 16th, NFL.com. Opening week one rosters, NFL players. By school, LSU number one, 40. Miami of Florida, mm-hmm. number two, 37. Mm-hmm. USC, mm-hmm. number three, 35. Now, wait, here's where mm-hmm. it gets good. Alabama, 34. Georgia, mm-hmm. 34. Florida, mm-hmm. 31. So let's see. Right. I just named six schools. Four of them are in the SEC. They go there shopping every April. Every April, they're there shopping. I even had a guy go so far as to tell me, and we know him. He's uh, a constant caller to the show, Robert, uh, a very good caller, which surprised me that he came this foolish with this, suggesting that SEC defenses weren't that great because the quarterback play is not up to snuff this year. Well, I'm sorry. They're not going to be at their peak every year. And, yes, was this a banner year for quarterbacks in the SEC? No. But to sit here and suggest to me that SEC defenses aren't the best in the country uh, or in some way, shape, or form uh, below average is, or even average, is the silliest thing I've ever heard. It's like, did he well, and the other and problem is what came first, the chicken or the egg? I mean, is is the quarterback play not up to snuff because they're playing better defenses, or are the defenses you're saying they're good because the quarterbacks aren't good? I'm going to assume that most of these schools, like Alabama, like Texas A&M, they get the top you know, some of the top quarterbacks in the country. So if you're telling me they all of a sudden go there and all of them forget how to play quarterback, that's hard to believe. I'll give this, though. Uh, when it comes to quarterbacks, this just happened to be a year where you had a bunch of guys who were really in there for the first time. Florida has really a first-time starter in Trayvon right. Harris. Georgia uh, really had a first-time starter in the couple of guys that they had. Same deal at Texas A&M. Same deal at LSU. Same deal at Alabama. Um, and in a lot of the key places, really, uh, when you, you know, the guys that you had coming back really were who Mississippi state, the kid at Arkansas, which they don't ask him to do a lot in the passing game. And then, you know, Chad Morris at Ole Miss. So that was the situation in the conference this year. Yeah, but wait a second. Here's my problem too, as we go on. And and, uh, I'll say this overall if you want to look at the bulls i'm okay with that but here's what's going to happen let's pretend alabama somehow gets upset in uh you know this playoff all of a sudden we're going to come out with see the sec is not good that's a one-off with the best teams the question here here's what fans i think miss all the time it's not that you or i or anybody else who claims that you know it's the best conference i don't think we claim that i think the nfl would would confirm that for you but you know we say it's the best conference. We're not saying it's the best conference because we're saying that Ohio State wouldn't be good in the SEC or that, you know, uh, uh, normally a USC wouldn't be good in the SEC. You know, teams that actually recruit those type of players over the years historically. What we're saying is in the conference, if you look top to bottom, it's the deepest conference. You look at the bottom of the SEC this year. Auburn, Mississippi State, Texas A&M in the West. 
South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky, and the East. Now, before you laugh at South Carolina, they lost to the Citadel. Yeah, they also beat North Carolina. And mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say is go look at these other conferences, what's at the bottom of them. That's the question to me. You look at the bottom of the Big Ten, Rutgers, Maryland, Purdue, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Illinois. Yep. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. It's not that you know, we'd be foolish enough to say that you know, Michigan State and Ohio State can't stand on a field with the, with the SEC teams. That's not the argument. I think people are missing. It's the depth of the conference. I'll tell you what, passion. though, uh, if you have an Ohio State or a Michigan State or one of these other schools, I don't know that they waltz through their season. I know this, Iowa wouldn't roll through the SEC with an undefeated season. Uh, I no. Know that. I know Michigan no, State, no, no. if they want to go out and lose to Nebraska, will probably have lost two or three games going through the SEC because it's not so much you might on a given Saturday go out and be able to beat one of these top SEC teams if you're Michigan State uh, or Iowa or, or even Ohio State, but it's when you try to relax in between a game and that game is against Kentucky or it's a it's a game against Texas A&M or it's a game against Arkansas, that's when you get punched in the face, as some of the other teams have done. Um, well, listen, here's the great thing. I call these boys out. And it seems they want to come in here and, and answer to the charges. So I'm going to give them that opportunity. Kelvin, Hello. on the Gridiron awesome. Stud Show. Yeah, Go ahead, shoot that, your yeah. gun. Well, actually, You're you up? know what? You're, the SEC is the best conference out of the Big Five conference. What? I'll agree with somebody, some, you. Somebody record that. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I, out of the out of the out of the big five conferences, it has the most depth. What what's your what's your uh is it Emil? Is that is that your name right? Hey, hey, hi, how are you? Yeah, no, um the SEC is the deepest conference. But if you go on a talent standpoint, SEC and ACC, there's no difference in athletes. Yeah? I, I would argue. Let me that. tell you what it, let a, me tell you what the difference, difference is, okay? Yeah, the difference, the difference is, is it, if you go I looking agree, in a second is yeah, if you go looking at the secondaries, Kelvin, hold on a minute. If you go looking in the secondaries, you go looking at the wide receivers uh, and quarterback play and all those other positions, sure, uh, I might be able to go with you on that. But when you start looking on that line of scrimmage, and in particular on the defensive line, that's where the that's where there is the talent gap. And as someone who played in the trenches, and by the way, Amo, Kelvin Harris played offensive line at the University of Miami. So you've probably seen us having our battles on Facebook. Oh, no, I've seen but actually, you well I've, I've actually talked. To Kelvin online a little bit, if you remember, and I've actually Good. seen him on the uh, the Miami show on Thirty for Thirty. So, right. So as you well know, Kelvin, the games are won and lost right up there in those trenches. And as someone who's played this game, and I pay attention to what happens in the trenches, even though I'm a former defensive back, that is the difference between this conference and everybody else. Tell me, I'm a liar. The difference is at the lower levels. There is nobody on any. Like, Shaq Lawson is the best defensive end in the country. SEC, mm-hmm. Big Ten, Big 12, he's the best defensive end in the country. Mm-hmm. The guy on the other side from him, Kevin Dodd, would start at Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, USC, Michigan, Ohio State. Sure, okay. Defensive lineman at Florida State would start at Alabama, mm-hmm. Florida, Auburn, the guy we got. Which defensive, end, which defensive ends at Florida State would start at Florida? Please let me know. What? 
Yeah, you heard they me. Which one? Back, back up. They got the best pass rushing freshman defensive end in the country in Josh Sweat, the number one recruit in the country. So what are you, are you starting over? Who on Florida's D line? Who? Do you know who? He he is just as good or better than Alex McAllister. But I love. Well, hold on, before you say that, Alex McAllister is going to be a first round pick, but Josh Sweat mm-hmm. is going to be a first round pick too. So Josh Sweat this year at Florida starts over McAllister. Come on, man, you've been drinking. What what's the difference? What's the difference in the two? Actually, I, I say this. I think Josh. I think Alex McAllister plays the run better than Josh Sweat, but they're both about the same size. I think Sweat may be a little bit bigger than him. Uh, McAllister six six. Sweat six five. Sweat is faster than him. Okay, that's great. Wait, can I jump in here for a second? Where I think where I think this conversation is going amok is I'm. I, you guys are getting into a debate on this. Listen, you can cherry pick schools like Florida State. Sure, you know, yeah. I mean, Florida State is one of those schools that I would say, yeah. Normally they have SEC style athletes. That's not the question. Here's they very the question. well could be in the SEC. That's right. Here's my oh, is question. AD and, choice? Again, I, listen. You, I should be arguing against the. I'm a USC fan. Okay. USC occasionally, you know, has SEC, you know, well, they used to, but right now not as when many, they were but winning, Leonard yeah, Williams. Sure. Yeah, the difference is we didn't have five Leonard Williamses the last three or four years, and that's what we used well, to have. Part, part of the reason why USC doesn't have five Leonard Williamses right now is because they were on some horrific probation. Uh, they had 55 kids on their, on their roster, and then they hired a horrible defensive coordinator, Justin Wilcox, they ran a bad scheme, similar to what we had. Thank you, thank you, Calvin. Now you know I like you better already. That's how I started the show, <laughs> explaining to Chad how bad Justin Wilcox is as a defensive coordinator. Thank Justin you. Wilcox is the most overrated, overpaid coach in all of college football. He sucked at Tennessee. He sucked at Washington. But I don't know how he got that money at USC. Right. Let's, let's, oh, this get, is my favorite call. Back, this is my favorite call in 2015. When you start going to the middle of the pack and you say NC State versus Arkansas, we're not talking whoa, about whoa, the whoa, same whoa. deal I'm in right, the trenches. Stop right there. That lets me know you haven't watched NC State play. Yeah? I haven't? You haven't watched NC State play. NC State's defensive line is as good as any of the SEC. As a matter of fact, Chad, they run canes. They run our defense. Well, listen, you're, that's that's all they got to do to make you a fan. That's all they got to do no, to make no, you a fan no, no, no. is run a 4-3 over front, and you're good to go. You love them. No, they not only run our defense, but they have defensive linemen that can play the scheme. They got they got pro-caliber defensive linemen. They got two guys. They got a Mike, this kid, Mike Rose. He's going to be a, a, a high draft pick. The other guy on the other side is a pass rusher. Now, the thing about it is, for whatever reason, ACC coaching just has been terrible the last three to five years. There's better coaching mm-hmm. right now in the SEC than it is in the ACC. That right now, I mm-hmm. think, is a difference. Because if you oh, that's the, the only coach, difference. All right, hold on. What's the difference between Clemson's secondary and Florida's secondary? I already told you, uh, when you're looking at it and you're talking about secondaries, there's going to be some similarities there. 
I'm telling you, it's in those trenches, and that's the big difference between people who want to argue Florida football, the people that want to argue Florida football and California football, for someone who played high school ball, played football in both Florida and California, it's in the trenches. Because you got speed in California, and you got speed in in skill positions here in Florida. It's right there in the trenches. I think that's where the SEC wins it, and I think we could all agree they they, they got the best running backs in all the country. Defense so in a running game wins it, Kelvin. Don't you know that? Shaq Wilson could start a Florida. Is that uh, what you Maybe think? he could. Maybe he could. But we're going top to bottom. Now, wait. Time out, Kelvin. Let's, let's play, play. Indulge me here and play this game honestly with me, okay? Syracuse, Kentucky. Who you take? A neutral field. Syracuse, Kentucky. I would take Kentucky. Okay, so at least you're being honest. I like that. We're starting because I would too. Okay, now Wake Forest, Missouri, neutral field. Who are you taking? That, that's not fair. Uh, I, I told you, SEC has better talent. Missouri, Missouri wins. Yeah, he already, but, he, right. He already what I'm doing. On. So what I'm trying to say is, it's, what's what's it's the whole the deal depth. with the SEC bias? What's what's that? Why are we crying about that every year? Because I think a lot of people feel like, well, I think. Part of it starts with a guy like Paul Feinbaum when he says dumb stuff, and a lot of people. Are, so he's speaking for the whole conference, though. No, but the problem is because he's on ESPN and because he has a, a, a broad platform, that is the face that is uh, representing the SEC. Yeah, and well, then, you know, he that's like that's like a that's like you know, and it, that's like people saying them folks on Fox are the representatives for the Republican Party. And I'm sure the, the the real people of the Republican Party wouldn't say that is the case. So if you want to run with Paul Feinbaum, I guess, I guess Paul Feinbaum's the one pissing everyone off. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it. Like, okay, I'll give you a case in point. When um, our job came open, this, this blizzard mm-hmm. idiot, uh, you Central Florida is a better job than Miami. I think he was just pan- I, I think he was poking the bear, man, and just to get people riled up. It got him it got him all kind of uh, uh stories written, right? SB Nation and, and and everywhere else posting that that quote from him and it had people running to go watch his show now. I mean, that was just a media tactic. But uh you came on and you said it you said the real. The SEC is basically better than all of these other conferences. Not by a wide margin, but basically it is. And every April and May, that has shown itself to be true. Listen, I got to run on to some other guys. You got a final thought before I let you go? Yeah. We're going 15-0 next year. <laughs> I got you. You heard it here first. Kelvin Harris, University of Miami, going 15-0 next Kelvin. year. Kelvin, thanks for calling. He should call more often. Let's run over to my man, Robert, since we got entangled on Facebook a little bit. My man, please explain the foolishness you said about the SEC defenses. Ready, go. Hello. All right, he ain't there. Heads and shoulders and night and day better, and hey, I do feel. And I do base. I do feel based on some of the games that some of the teams in the bottom. You're, like you're talking about the SEC teams at the bottom. We've seen these teams like play against like teams that are like so like FBS schools and other schools that aren't mm-hmm. shouldn't even be on the same field with them and having mm-hmm. success moving the ball and winning games and stuff like that from here to there. So I just think, like, overall, in general, what I was saying is the same thing I've been saying all year. It's just the playing field 
is just really so much more level. And there's really nobody that really sticks. Now, again, they stick out a little bit over the other teams, but I do feel that in the SEC, Bob Stoops, you might not like what he said, but he was on a little something. And it's kind of cyclical when it comes to the quarterbacks. For a few years back then, they weren't having too many quarterbacks. Then quarterbacks did come in and the team started putting up points. And right now, it's not too much good. Like, I don't even know, is Dak Prescott, is he the best quarterback in the SEC? It's just like teams can feast on other teams because they're very one-dimensional. So, you know, and I've seen, like, last year, like, during the bowl games and stuff like that. What was their record in the uh, bowl games last year? When, like, the second best? Like the that. second best out of all the conferences? Second best. Second best? Okay, well, it was Yeah. So, what and I'm saying is, like, that's East. not – and the SEC East that everybody was banging on went five and zero last year. Care to comment on that? Um, well, I mean, wins. if they went, what I'm saying is like the SEC is the SEC. So, I, you know, like overall, if their overall record was there, like, mean? you know, does I, that mean they're the best? The SEC, what's that? The, the, but if they had the second best record in the playoffs, then I can't. I mean, in the, in the bowl season, I can't say that they're the best conference if they have the second best. Well, what is it uh, then? Let's know. Let's know ahead of the bowl season what's going to determine that that's the best conference. So, is it the bowl season that determines that? Man, I kind of like when it comes to that. I kind of agree. Like, it's this is the thing why there's so much disagreement and stuff in college football. It's now more than ever. It's really like sports and politics combined. So how Kevin was talking about, like, the fine bombs of the world and stuff like that, it mm-hmm. it makes it where everybody kind of has the argument and there's teams that schedule. Like how you were talking about the Big Ten teams, I'm happy. I was rooting against Iowa so tough and then some of the other mm-hmm. teams up here because I don't like how they do with the, like, it's like before the season starts, they go out their way to try to, like, schedule and cosmetically get themselves to the playoffs and stuff like that by going 12-0 and playing. Illinois but wait, Robert, like time that. on one side. But I, I do feel, like I said, I really, like, when I see the SEC teams play defense against other schools that have, like, legitimate passing attacks, they struggle then in a way unexpected that they haven't been struggling. But, but wait, Robert, For time example, on Florida, I mean, There's a way to definitively Alabama. look at this. That, that's why I think Alabama's not going to win the championship this year <laughs> when they run into Clemson. I think they'll beat Michigan State, but I don't think they'll beat Clemson because whenever they play someone that has the ability to throw, they just struggle in a way that they don't when they can just like keep on knowing that the team's going to run the like ball. Who? Like, who? Just... like who? Can Robert hear me? Like who? Like who? Who have they like struggled against? I want I want to hear all the losses that Alabama's had over the last few years. This will be a short do you conversation. Know, do you do you realize like their record against like top ranked teams over the last couple of years? Like it's like or the last three years? Go. I'm not. I'm, I don't want to say what's that record because sure, I, I I'm not for sure what it is. But what's it's the record and what's top ranked I can tell you that. I'm going to hold you to the carpet. What are we calling top ranked teams? And then what's their record? Because Alabama's ten, lost so much over the last three years. I'm saying against top – I think it's top 15 teams. Again, I don't have the information right in front of me. I'll find it, and I'll, well, I'll okay, share how it you going to throw Alabama Alabama played, listen, listen, here's the thing. Alabama played seven teams that were ranked in the top 20 at the time of the game this year because that's all you can do, and they won six of them. They lost once to, uh, to Mississippi, 43-37. Last year, they played one, two, three, four, five, six – Seven times teams ranked in the top 20. They won five of them. The year before, they played one, two, three, four, five. They were three and two that year. Okay, so I mean, it's uh, so okay. Like, what are we talking about? 
what, what I'm saying is that I think that's the other problem that people have with SEC and why people consider SEC bias. Like, I remember last year at a point, now Texas A&M, they were considered a team that just came in and stuff, but now they, they won a little bit, so they got embraced by the SEC. So last year they mm-hmm. were at a point, they were last place in their division and still ranked mm-hmm. in the top 25. Like you, like so, it it just kind of makes people feel like okay, you, you you're calling these ranked victories, but it's like you're giving these teams the benefit of the doubt to have way more losses or way more leeway when well, they lose. But Robert, hold on, Amy, hold on, Amy, hold on. So let's flip it back over to what you said about Iowa. You had a problem with Iowa. Well, there goes your problem with why some of these schools may be ranked under some of these SEC schools with losses. Because Iowa plays in a conference, or at least in one half of the conference, where you really can't respect anyone that's there. And you can start saying this now for some of those Big 12 teams that give up 70 points every week. Or some of these blah, blah ACC teams where you go and play a Wake Forest or you go play an NC State, these teams that don't have their crap together and don't look very good. And, yeah, you're beating them, but so what? That was a deal for North Carolina all year. So you can't have it both ways. They're playing these schools that suck, and in, and everyone knows in the SEC, a team that might have four or five losses in the middle of the season is the team that could punch you in the mouth and, and jump up and get a win. You know what, man? It is but what I, it is. This is a it's how a tough can we conference. say that though when these teams have been losing or like coming like against Florida Atlantic and stuff like that though? Like you're saying that, and then like no you're one kind lost to Florida to, Atlantic. You don't understand or, 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 that. Seventeen fourteen win I mean, is I'm not a like, loss. I'm bunching the teams together. Well, okay, what I'm saying is I'm not. But come on, man. Like, so it's not. But what I'm saying is, like, you got to support what teams you're talking about, Robert. Man. Gets into the other the point, Robert like you can do that with every team. Notre Dame had a quarterback come off the bench, close his eyes, and throw a 50 yard touchdown pass in the last 40 seconds to beat a terrible Virginia team. That happens every week in college football. Teams step exactly. up and play better than they are. That's, that's college football. What I'm saying is, I'm giving you something definitive here. I just read off the top six. Roster uh, college teams with players on NFL rosters. Four from the SEC, one's Miami of Florida, and one's USC. That's that's it. I gave six of them. Four of them are from the SEC. So the NFL doesn't know what they're talking again, about. Again, I, I I told you I clarified saying that I felt that they were a little bit better. I just think the amount that they're considered better is vastly overstated based on how they performed this year and last year in the bowl and out of conference against lowly teams that they should be beating. So, again, All right, I'm so not let me, saying, uh, I'm so just let's saying just boil it down to this, Robert. Overstated. If we eliminated Paul Feinbaum from television, um, would that cure the problem? No, I'm not. I, I like that. See, this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand. Like, that's their job. Like, when people get mad at Kyle and Kyle Hurd, like, you can either you either have to be loved or hated. You can't be, like, an in-between guy. Not to be successful in the business, you have to feel a certain way. I mean, some people can get away with it, I guess, but he doesn't move me like he does other fans or other stuff because I understand, like, again, it's politics. Now, football is all – college football is the only sport that we're, like, you, as far as, like, football and basketball and things that are American sports that is decided kind of by vote and I test more than it is by deciding to completely on the field, so to say. So okay. I understand so, everybody's angles. You know, you know what, like, so, so you know what started all this entire conversation is Cowherd coming out of his face saying Florida being in the SEC championship game is an indictment 
on the SEC. And I pointed out, well, Michigan State was playing in their championship, but they lost to Nebraska, who I don't know if they even won six games this season. They won and in five. The they were five. And, they were they five. They were five. You know what I think this comes They down lost to. to a sub-500 football team. They're playing in their championship. Don't hear anything from Cowherd about that. Over in the ACC, North Carolina, we could talk all day about how they're, they're a different team now than they were then. You lost to a South Carolina team. I don't care when it was in the season that won three football games all season long. We're not talking at all about how that's an indictment on the ACC. So I don't get it. And then we're talking about the Pac-12, which I might consider to be the second best conference. You have a USC team playing in this in that championship that had an interim coach for for more than half of the season. Where's the indictment on the Pac-12, who Colin Cowherd is obviously a fan of? So give me a break with that whole talk. Oh no! I, I mean, I, I don't think that Florida being there was no indictment. I mean, you know, like the, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. I mean, you know, what I mean, like Kyle and that. I, I, I understand that that's a little outlandish right there. Because I mean, the, the SEC has kind of always been like one side of the conference is just traditionally stronger than the other, usually at for certain periods of time. So you're always going to mm-hmm. have that. I mean, it's can, just can always I jump in way. and say what I think this really comes down to? Okay. Most people, in their, when they're alone, being, being intellectually intelligent, know the SEC is the best conference. They're just sick of hearing about it. It's no different. This has gone on in sports forever, okay? The Patriots are the best team in the NFL right now, the best franchise. People hate them because they're sick of it. When the Cowboys were the best, they hated them because they were sick of hearing about it. When the Lakers were the best basketball team and the Yankees were the best baseball team, people knew that they were, but they just hated hearing about it. And that's what, that's what I think this really comes down to. People are just sick of hearing about it. Yeah, I think that's what it boils down to. Can we agree? They're tired of hearing about it. They want their conference. They want their team recognized, and they feel like they're not being represented. So the answer to that is we're going to complain about the SEC. What I think people need to do is let's find out why the SEC is that conference that people want to talk about. And I think a big part of that is what I saw this weekend in Atlanta. This place is overrun with football fans. Everywhere that I go, they're not talking about their stocks, their bonds, their kids. They're talking about football. I'm in the Waffle House. They're talking about their football teams. When I go to the game, it's packed inside. When I go look over and outside, there's still fifteen to 20,000 people, it looks like to me, outside that stadium that don't even have tickets. The fans support the sport. Maybe not as well as some of these other places. And that's where the money is, and that's why the SEC is being talked about so much. Right, I can agree. I can. I mean, I can agree with that. There's definitely some. Um, SEC. I, I was down in Atlanta, Robert, in November. I got in a cab with my wife, and we shared it with two ladies. They were going to the same place. There were ladies in their fifties planning a uh, wedding for one of their sons, and uh, they were from Louisiana. So we started talking. I said, "Oh, you guys, LSU fans." The whole conversation in the cab was one liked LSU, one went to Ole Miss. These women are talking football with me, like we're talk, like the three of us are talking right now. And to me. That's always going to be the biggest difference in the SEC and every place else. It's religion, man. It's religion. And I've been all over this great country. Started off in the Northeast, moved down to the South, spent my time out West. Football down in the South is it's a, it's a religion. It's what they live and die for. It's church on Sundays and it's football on Saturdays. And that's why the SEC gets talked about. It's where the money is. And that's the world we live in, Robert. It's money. It's all about money now. Maybe not. I don't know. How how old a guy are you, Robert? Hello. Robert. Sorry, you broke up a little bit. Yeah, how old a guy are you? 
Yeah, I think he's breaking up, not really hearing me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I did lose him. I did lose him. So, listen, when, in our day and age, there wasn't as much money in college football as there is now, and everything's become about money, and the money is in the SEC, and that's why some forward thinker over at ESPN said, let's start our own conference, uh, let's start our own network for this conference because we have a lot of fans here that we need to service. And this is the same thing that goes on with the recruiting rankings in terms of the players and ranking of high school football teams. you got people that get upset about it. Oh, how is a team from the middle of Minnesota being ranked ahead of these teams in Florida? Why is a team somewhere in the corner of Pennsylvania ranked 11th? And, uh, you know, we've got teams down here in Miami, or you got teams in Southern California ranked behind them. You know what? they got to service a community of people that may be subscribers, and it's really all about money, you know. So well, he's a good caller. His... I know he's a big Notre Dame oh, yeah. fan. He likes Notre Dame yeah. the way I like USC. But, I mean, you know, it's, I always tell people, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to tell you that I think Notre Dame couldn't play SEC teams or USC's or whatever. I'm here to tell you that top to bottom, I just think it's the best conference. I'm being honest. I don't, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. I'm not. It's not about like I'm saying these teams couldn't play with those teams. I'm saying top to bottom, the SEC is the best conference. That's all. Yeah, um, I mean it. It is what it is, and folks will look at me and say, "Oh, well, this guy's son plays for Florida, so he's just going to be—he's going to be backing the SEC uh, because of his kid." It's not that. I love college football. I love college football. And if my other son that's here, you know, soon's going to be choosing the school, decided to go to USC, or he decided to go to Ohio State, or he decided to go to to Clemson or somewhere, or Miami or somewhere in one of these other conferences, God bless him. He doesn't have to go to an SEC school because I'm not that hard on it. And I will still be saying, if things stay the same, that the SEC right now is the best if he's playing in another conference. It's got nothing to do with that. And let's I be love honest, college you're football. Not a, you're, not a, my, you're not a Florida guy, per se. Your son goes there now. I mean, your core, you'll always be a Miami guy. So it's not like, you know, I mean, if you don't have another no, son but in I'm Florida. Just, I try to be as unbiased as possible because, again, exactly. I love college football. That's Anyone what I'm saying. I'm, I'm trying to defend you, yeah, buddy. I'm exactly, trying to defend exactly. you. I don't I got, think I you're biased you. like I, that. I feel what yeah. you're doing. Feel what you're doing. Yes, I posted videos on Instagram of me inside of Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, just panning the crowd right before a game. It's the atmosphere, and I feel like all college football kids deserve that. They, there's a lot of hard work, Emil, that goes into coming out on that field and playing against another team. College football players go through a heck of a lot to provide and the entertainment that they provide on a Saturday. And it's just great to me when they can come out of a tunnel and there's 90,000 people there screaming. Take it from someone who's run out of a tunnel, uh, if you can call it that, to 7,500 people in the stands and who's come out of the tunnel at the Orange Bowl, which was, you know, might have been one of the greatest experiences for ever um, to, to 85,000 screaming fans. I know the damn difference. And I am really oh, yeah. 100% behind these schools, these programs, these conferences where you support the players and you do so by being at the games and screaming and cheering and loud and just getting 100% behind them. That's why I like uh, the SEC and some of these programs. And that's really all that it boils down to for I have me. a little bit of breaking I, news for you uh-oh. coming in here. What do we got? Off the subject. What the hell? What the hell? It's, 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 it's a Monday. We can talk about it. Uh, the Dodgers have just acquired Chapman, the 102-mile-an-hour flamethrower from the Cincinnati Reds. Did you just kill our entire SEC conference? I did. I'm so Football excited. Football talk with Dodger talk. I'm so excited. I love watching 102-mile-an-hour fastballs in the summertime. This is a self-serve as Carvel ice cream. With that, we're going to take a break. When we get back, Cam Newton is better than Tom Brady. We'll be back on a great Einstein. Show. <laughs> 
you're a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management, then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiation and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP Property Management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, you can do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper soul at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. It's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. Con los terroristas. Blog Talk Radio's pissing me off, Emil. Messing around with the What'd sound. What'd they do to you? Out here. I don't know. Sound going in and out here. For God's sakes, can I get some professionalism around here? Anyway, we got a show going on here. Hey, nice little heated segment there. I did uh, probably perspire a little bit during that last one, getting all worked up about it. But uh, nevertheless, You were getting hot Emil, and bothered about that whole thing. You, you seem like I mean, you I get very... I, listen, it's not even just about SEC football. I just get tired of, in this country... Um, and I'm saying this country, who knows, it might be society-wide across the world. I just get tired of when things are excellent, we just feel a need to attack it and bring it down. Instead of maybe trying to mimic it and then taking it another step further, like mimicking excellence, and then taking it to another height, 
the 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 option we go for is let's tear it down and bring it down to our level. I just think that's so much BS. It's garbage. When a guy rises, they're ready to rip him down. Uh, you know, when a team rises, they're ready to rip him down. When a conference rises, they're ready to rip him down. Come on already. Like, enough is enough with that garbage. Like, we're raising a nation of complainers. Instead of complaining, study the best, try to be the best. Whether you got to mimic it or whatever, you got a better idea than that. Let's rise above the level where they're at instead of bringing them down. And it just, I've, you know, I've railed on this before. And Well, uh, to me, it's I've clear. Like I said, with... it's, it's very clear when I watch the SEC games that the depth of the conference is the biggest difference. And if you're asking me why specifically it's what you said the guys on the defensive line i mean you'll find teams in other conferences like you know stanford right now and typically usc have tremendous offensive lines but it's the defensive lines you know and 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 when when you get the teams like the ohio states right now and when usc is going good their defensive lines will look like sec defensive lines most most teams in those conferences that's not the case Mm -hmm. and i i've always felt that those big six two you know six five two hundred and ninety pound three hundred pound guys that can run that that's your big difference always will be yeah, and just go look to anyone that rises up to the top or finds themselves in that last game of the year playing for the championship. I promise you they've got that, I promise you they have that. So you can go on and on about, hey, the quarterbacks and uh, the quarterback play and all the receivers and this, that, and the other. Listen, at the end of the day, I guarantee you they got a defensive line. That's just really how that works. But speaking of quarterback play, Emil, uh, I threw this out there on Twitter just uh, last week or maybe the week before. And I just threw it out there, Cam Newton better than Tom Brady. And, of course, you know, the masses went wild. And when I say that, Emil, I'm not saying for a career – I'm not in the concussion protocol. There's no way I can make that argument. There's no way I'm even trying to say that. I don't believe it. But in 2015, Cam Newton over everybody, and that includes Tom Brady. Agree or disagree? I've said it on other shows. I mean, I think the guy is clearly, for me, the front runner to win the MVP award uh, in the NFL this year. I think he's, uh, you know, if you look overall what being a quarterback is, he's the best quarterback in the league this year. Now, if you're going to tell me, there's guys that throw the ball better than him. Sure, I'll agree there. But there's nobody playing the position of quarterback right now, the the way a quarterback's supposed to play, than him. He's leading and folks his team. will throw out some stats at you. Uh, you know, you got the stat hogs, because that's uh, another thing that we're raising in this country. All the fantasy geeks always want to throw stats at you. Uh, because they think that's what everything really boils down to. And they'll tell you Tom Brady has 31 touchdown passes and Cam Newton has 25 touchdown passes. And they'll say, uh, see, that's, you know, look at the stats. Well, you know what? Uh, Cam Newton has seven rushing touchdowns. So, you know, I don't know. Well, well, here's the biggest thing for me. Let me read read this for you. Greg Olson is their leading receiver. He's their tight end. And then after that, their next receiver is Ted Ginn, Jr., Jericho, crotchety old man, De- Devin Funches, Corey Brown. This mm-hmm. sounds like the spinners. I'm waiting for something, you know, working sure. my way back to you, babe. I mean, who are these guys? <laughs> yeah, well, you know what, Tom's, Tom's not working with a whole lot uh, either at this point because, you know, guys are going down. Well, like Edelman, flies listen, right Edelman's there, been but... a good player for a long time, you know, in the la- at least the last three or four years. Uh, you know, yesterday, no, he didn't have him. Gronkowski. Okay, he's not working with a whole lot, but but he's working with more than that. Okay, 
Yeah, um, he is. Uh, he's he, look. I would say he has more than what uh, Cam Newton's working with, and this has been all year for Cam. Uh, he lost Kelvin Benjamin. Steve Smith's been gone for a couple of years now, so you know he doesn't really have those weapons there outside of you know Olsen, and uh, they're getting it done at a very very high level. So uh, it looked like they're on their way to a loss yesterday, Emil, and and you know they're winning games low scoring, and then when you want to go tit for tat, uh, Cam Newton and the and, and the uh, and the Carolina Panthers are winning those games too. They're looking like a, a serious force. I do say though, I think they may need to lose. They may need to lose a game before they head into this into these playoffs. I don't know if winning every Listen, game is ready. They're the third highest the scoring thing. team in the league this year, behind the Cardinals and the Patriots. They're two points behind the Patriots. Okay, in, in points scored. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy's twelve and zero. He's he. I mean, I think anybody being honest will tell you he's got not much outside right now. And he's he. Look at that game yesterday. He brings him down the field. I know it's the Saints, but it's a road game. It's a division game. It's an NFL game. He takes him down the field, produces a win. The team's eleven and zero. They're up five games in their division at that point. They don't need to win that game. But still, there was the sense of urgency to go down and win the game. Um, yeah. I just like what he's doing. I think I, I right now. The way people are playing, I, I really think that you know the, the the Panthers and Cardinals are on a collision course. The Cardinals have quietly gone about their business. They stumbled a little bit. They're ten and two. They're another team scoring a ton of points, not giving up much. They've only given they've given up less points than the Panthers. So I, I mean I think we might have ourselves two newcomers to an NFC Championship game franchises that have been down and out for a little while. Um, but those yeah, it two certainly teams looks like we're we're heading in that direction. But we can't forget. Uh, what it looks like the Seattle Seahawks are starting to do. We'll launch into a full-scale NFL discussion in a minute, but let me run out to the phone lines and bring my my man Les on. Les, how you doing? What's cracking, man? What's going on? Before we get into it, okay, uh, you are a strong Detroit Lions fan. What happened on Thursday? Some, as a Detroit Lions fan, sum up your feelings. Ah, uh, man. You know, I'm kind of that's about That's man. about it right there. Yeah. I'm oh man. Yeah. I mean, when you when you have seventeen nothing and you keep letting the team stick around, of course they're gonna beat you. What and, about the um, call for face mask? How how do you feel about that one? You know, I actually didn't even get a chance to see that call, but you know, it it always happens to the Lions, man. I mean, something. <laughs> it's a new rule. Yeah, huh? They, the Lions <laughs> must go down. <laughs> Right, right. It's just funny to me how in the same week the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions go down in rather nefarious ways, and it's just a symbol of what the franchises have been for the majority of their history in the NFL. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers win again. I had my strong doubts that they would, you know, be able to sweep the Packers, but they were on their way, and uh, got beat by the old Hail Mary. How, and the last thing on this, how about Calvin Johnson's reaction? I've seen some of the greatest memes on that. My man just passed out like he caught the Holy Ghost in church. <laughs> I mean, tell me that's not how Grandma goes down when she catches the ghost in church. Come on. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Straight I mean, to the floor. It, it, All right, what's on your mind, man? Michigan State's up in this thing. You happy? Hey, of course I'm happy. I knew I seen how uh, the uh, the voting committee was gonna set us up for this. Uh, it seems like when whenever we uh, 
We beat Ohio State. I think a couple years ago we wound up playing Ohio State in the Gator Bowl, wasn't it? Um, one of the I believe so. Bowl or something. And uh, they gave us a whooping. They, they put a beating on us. Um, but it seems like the committee always, you know, when Michigan State gets an opportunity to be one of the top four teams, you know, they give us – I thought we would be four. We would play against Clemson and uh, have Oklahoma and Alabama go at each other. And I think we had a fair shot against Clemson because – I mean, we're both two in the same teams. The only difference they have a mobile quarterback. Um, that's the biggest difference in this whole playoff. Out of all four of the teams, uh, Oklahoma and Clemson have two mobile quarterbacks, so they both gonna score and, and make make plays. You know, just you know, just out of running around and you know, sure. scrappy. Um, sure. The, the toughest thing, like you know, you guys are arguing about the SEC compared to mm-hmm. the ACC, the Big Ten. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts? Southern, we got to deal with some southern boys who eat grits and and and, and <laughs> oxtails and, and cornbread and greens and beans <laughs> every day, compared to these brothers who eating chicken chicken breast and uh, broccoli <laughs> and lettuce. You know, yeah, don't well, get me wrong, don't get me wrong. The brothers down south, hey, they their parents feed them. And that's the way. They, that's the reason why they're as big as they are, as strong as they are, as fast as they are, explosive as they are. And it's genetic. Okay, this it's just totally in: different. northern moms don't feed their kids. So says no. Lester northern John. moms do feed their kids. No, northern moms <laughs> do feed their kids. We're talking about, you know, I mean, I'm from. It's not a big old spread, y'all. Like grandma on a big wooden table putting out the grits and the sausages and everything else. Oh, I'm going to yeah. stay away from this whole thing. You've been throwing some massive stereotypes out there. <laughs> nah, man, I'm, I'm, you know Les doesn't care, man. I ain't tripping that, man. I mean, I, mean, I feel like Fuzzy Zeller when he asked, you know, if I go any further, I'm going to be like when Fuzzy asked uh, Tiger Woods what he wanted at the Masters dinner. Oh, Holy crap. man. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, man. You know, don't get me wrong. Everybody eats soul food, but they don't eat soul food like that every day. Yeah, well, we could draw up all the theories that there are, man, uh, about south over north and the reasons why and this, that, and the other. Maybe we should raise Jimmy Greek from the dead to give us all the real answers as to why uh, there's a southern to uh, college football. Can we raise Jimmy the Greek up? No, not Jimmy Greek. No, not that guy. Well, listen – you know, uh, Michigan State's in there. It's a nice consolation. Well, no, I shouldn't even say consolation. It's a nice makeup for what went down on Thursday with your Detroit Lions, man. But as always, we appreciate you listening and calling in to the Gridiron Stud Show. For sure, man. For sure. All, all right. All right. Oh, man, Les. You experienced some you experienced some despair on Thursday, but uh, some uh, some joy on Saturday night and rolling into Sunday, as Michigan State has made their way into the college football playoff. Emil, did they, did the college football committee get this thing right? And uh, will there be any crying like there was last year? Will there be a lot of tears rolling? Uh, I think they. I, I mean, I don't see who who has tears. I mean, bottom line. Ohio State lost to Michigan State. Michigan State won the conference. I don't see how they have any tears. Um, the the biggest tears probably would come from Stanford, having won one of the Power Five conferences. And what most people would probably say is, year in year out, the second best. If you're being honest, mm-hmm. um, sure. And that goes back to what I've said. I think if you have five major conferences, you almost have to have an eighteen playoff because there has to be five guaranteed spots. <laughs> mm-hmm. Doesn't make any sense, yeah. but. 
in this um, particular year, if you went with an 18 playoff, I think you probably have uh, no room for any crying whatsoever. Um, you'd be talking about Notre Dame, Ohio State, Stanford, Iowa, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Alabama, and Clemson, all of who could probably make the claim for, you know, I laid it out for everybody on Saturday when I was contemplating this. I said, here's how I would see it. Clemson would be your number one seed. They would play number eight, Notre Dame. Alabama would be my number two seed, play number seven, Iowa. Oklahoma mm-hmm. would be my three seed, play number six, Ohio State. And Michigan State would be my four seed and play Stanford. I mean, I don't see where the room for crying would be. Maybe a little Florida State, Notre Dame bickering. But at the end of the day, the five Well, as it stands, Emil, as, as it stands, the way the final college football playoff rankings came out, here, here, here's what your matchups would uh, be. It would be Clemson, a rematch of Clemson and Notre Dame. Um, uh, you'd have Alabama taking on an Ohio State, obviously something a lot of people would love to okay. see. That's also a rematch. Michigan State would be taking on Stanford. That would probably be a 10-7 to 7 final on that. And then Oklahoma and Iowa. Good matchups there. But well, you know I had what? it almost then, perfect. I missed. I flipped yeah, two teams. You, you I were flipped close. Iowa and Ohio State. Yeah. You're definitely close. Let's look below those top eight teams and say Florida State could make no argument of of, of being in that top eight. They really can't after losing to a Georgia Tech um, and, and getting beat by Clemson. They really couldn't make a strong argument for having been in. Um, North Carolina got really humbled by Clemson, so they would have to bow out and say, we don't really have a legit shot. And Aaron TCU sitting there with two losses in the Big 12 conference wouldn't be able to say anything. And Ole Miss at 12, at 9-3, and three, um, if they said anything, would be laughed right off the stage. So you would have gotten it in this particular year completely right with eight teams. But uh, I'm going to say this again. I think controversy um, is good in college football. So having a four-team playoff and maybe a couple of teams there that could cry about it is kind of what uh, college football has been looking for and has thrived on But you're on always going to have controversy. So. They put they put 68 teams in the, the NCAA basketball tournament, 69 and 70 complain. All I'm saying is if you want to be logical, you've got five major conferences, every champion should be in that playoff. That's it. Yeah. If you want to be yeah, logical. Um, yeah, well, then logical in college football – Eh, that thing doesn't really go together and, and mix too much. Can we talk uh, college football coaching searches and fills? Uh, do we want to jump in on that? There have been a couple. Uh, sure. Will yeah, Muschamp I mean, is back in the head coaching spot. He's back in the cockpit. Uh, what What are your thoughts on that? Will Muschamp at the, head, at the controls once again? Young guy, I think, uh, you know, he obviously ho- – well, I'm not saying obviously, hopefully – he learned from what he did wrong at Florida, and we'll get it right the second time. Uh, probably a guy deserving of a second chance, and a, a venue like South Carolina might be a good place. Not quite as high profile as a, a Florida. I mean, they, they had a little run there with Spurrier, which was the best in school history, but generally hasn't been a perennial power for decades. So I think that might be a good spot for him to try to uh, you know, put some shine back on his star. Sure. Um, and, you know, I'm one who roots for underdogs, and it seems there are a whole bunch of people that are sitting out there asking, why does this guy get another job, so on and so forth. And uh, to a certain extent, I can understand it flamed out a little bit, uh, you know, at the end there with Florida and ended up getting himself fired. Ironically, was fired after losing to South Carolina uh, when he was at Florida, and here he is. Well, uh, he's going to be the I coach find at fans South Carolina. Generally, I think fans are a little bit funny. You know, I mean, okay, how old is Muschamp? I'm guessing, what is he, 43, 44 uh, years old? I'm, yeah, I'm uh, I'm 43, so he's, we played around Probably the same, same time, so he's he's no older than 44. 
Yeah. So you make a so 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 John John Fan, you know, he's working in accounts payable at AT and T. Uh, he, he pays a vendor twice. So is his career over? Is, is that it? <laughs> no, Done? no, that's how it is. You know, listen, I I, I feel everyone <laughs> should follow should follow the path that Urban Meyer and, and Nick Saban took. You know, obviously it worked for them. But, you know, there's more to it than just that. But, you know, make those mistakes at some of these smaller schools, whether it's a Mac school or one of those AAC schools or something like that. Make those mistakes there. There's not as much attention there, and it doesn't kind of, you know, crush your career and put all this kind of pressure on you. And once you've made those mistakes and learned from them, then you step up to the next level job, and then you finally start getting into these big-time programs, and, 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 you know, things seem to run a little bit smoother. But having taken the Florida job to start things off, uh, it would be very difficult now to jump back down to one of those schools and run yourself back up the ladder. So. Um, it is what it is. Uh, hopefully he's learned from some of the things that went on at Florida. You know, more than likely that's what's happened. But I'm obviously rooting for Will Muschamp. But I'm a little biased, and I'm throwing that out there to everyone. So, uh, sure. you know, I like the guy on a personal level. Uh, Kirby Smart there in Georgia. Uh, I don't know if we had a chance to talk about that. You know, defensive coordinators getting the jobs in in, in this conference. What's your thoughts on Seems that? Seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah, we well, like their defense. They do. They do in this conference. I'm wishing someone in the Big 12 would, you know, try that. Maybe we can get some stops <laughs> out there somewhere. Yeah. Because right, we right. got a I mean, ton no. of offense in that conference. Someone go against the grain out there in the Big 12 and hire a defensive guy. Let's just see what happens. There was a travesty that went down. East Carolina fired their coach. Did you hear about that? I'd love to know the story behind that. I heard they fired him. I just didn't know why. I mean, I, yeah, and that's what everyone is scratching their head about. And they're just thinking um, something more had to go into the firing of Ruffin McNeil. I mean, the guy had moved East Carolina to places uh, they hadn't really been, and he has his first losing season, and it's bye bye. Very odd. And, you know, you lost your OC and your quarterback before the season, and he goes, "What did he go? Five and seven? And you yeah, fire it wasn't him? career record. Of and they weren't horrible. I mean, I saw I saw their games. It's not like they were an embarrassment or anything like that. I don't know. I, I mean, you're asking the wrong guy. Sometimes these decisions are made. I have no clue. I mean, I'm sure I'm like a lot of people. I have no clue what's going on. I mean, you sit there and say, okay, what did this guy do wrong? I mean, it, no, no offense here. It is East Carolina. I mean, it's. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe they had their eyes on someone that they are pretty sure they can get. I don't know who that would be. Uh, maybe that's the only way to halfway explain this. But, uh, man, they're being called to the carpet on that one. So, um, you know, st- stay tuned for the rest on that one. And the final thing I want to touch on, on uh, in, you know, college football, did you by any chance see – uh, what went down at Houston after their game as fans tried to run on the field and the event staff that was there went to beating people up? Did they really? They didn't want anybody oh, on the man. field after they won the championship? Yeah. Uh, running onto the field, these guys went above and beyond, tackling people, slamming them to the ground, throwing punches, and not just one guy, more than one guy. I mean, safe to say I don't think this company is going to be able to hold that contract. But, Emil, if you get a chance today, find it out there on social media. These dudes were, uh, I mean, they thought they were bouncing at a strip club. They were just punching and going to town on people. 
do you think that, I mean, that, do you think that was, like, who gives this instruction, I guess, is my question. Is that the school? Is that the the venue? I mean, who would tell? I mean, running on the field is is pretty uh, pretty commonplace. It's it's standard, um, and, you know, I'm going to just kind of ask for your wisdom on this. What would be the best, you know, method in dealing with that if you're at a place like a Houston or you're at a school where you have this major upset what's the best way to deal with people running on the field my, my here's my thought and you can tell me where you would go with this I would make that announcement at some point during the game and say that you run on to this football field it is discouraged um, but you do so at your own peril and make that announcement and make it clear and then if you go out there and there's an incident people get crushed smushed whatever's happened in the past and you happen to get injured um, you were told but you can't be stopping people in the fashion that I saw I would let them run on the field. I would do what you said, and I, as soon as the game was over, I would have a crew right there in the end zone taking down both goalposts because that's where the real danger is. Once the goalposts are down, who cares? Let them run around. I yeah, yeah. I think some of it is player safety. Also, uh, you know, I've seen instances where um, players have been mobbed. I don't know of anyone getting hurt, but I've also seen players. Um, you know, attacking some of the fans. You know, from opposing teams that could possibly happen. Yeah. But, uh, you make that announcement, and I think you know where you know you, uh, you probably. My, my only rule of running on the field is, like I said, take the goalpost down, make sure travelers okay, and protect the song girls. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, our playoff races in the NFL are coming down to the wire. We do need to talk about that, as we said. Seattle's coming on strong. Um, you, Arizona and Carolina look like they're on a collision course. The Patriots have fallen back. Denver's still winning. We're going to talk about the NFL playoff race and some of the things that went down yesterday when we come back for the final segment of the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Yeah. Yeah. Halloween. Taliban. Taliban. Yeah. Jump in, jump in, jump in. Them boys up to something. They just spent like two or three weeks out the country Them boys up to something, they just not just bluffing You don't have to call, I hear my dance like Usher, Ooh, I just found my- Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now!
you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now, set your profile up, and let yourself be seen. Suffering through uh, whatever issues we've got going on with the sound here with Blog Talk Radio. Good Lord. Don't they know we have a popular show, Emil, and we don't need this nonsense? I know. I know. They do it to us all the time, these guys. You're going to have to stop paying the bill. Uh, Yeah, I know. You know, for for crying out loud. I need some money bike from these folks. But nevertheless, we'll try and struggle through this whole thing. If you're uh, a listener to the show and you're listening right now, please bear with us. Uh, blog talk radio. Someone stepped on a cord over there or something. Someone needs a slap upside their head. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, let's talk NFL. Um, uh, let me throw my guy out there a little bit. I said he's going to be the uh, NFL Rookie of the Year. Uh, he helped us win a pick. I think we shared this pick yesterday. It was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Man, Jameis Winston's looking like that guy right now. He is, isn't he? He looks really good right now. I mean, Got his team actually in position to make a run here at the playoffs. They're six and six, playing with poise. I mean, he still makes a few rookie mistakes to be expected, but overall, he's looking really good. Yeah, and I can't. Uh, I don't want to throw out uh, Marcus Mariota is having a pretty good rookie year as well. I don't think at this point he's had his little lull there before. I don't know that it's as good as what Jameis is doing when you look at the season as a whole. But man, yesterday uncorked an 87-yard run. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it. Pretty exciting stuff there, though. Out of Marcus Mariota. Uh, yeah, like I, I heard Oregon about day. it. I have to. I have to check that out on the highlight shows today. I'll catch some of that as, as I watch NFL. You know, network and they run through the games. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about let's talk about the picks. Uh, I did happen somehow, some kind of way to pull out a two and one record this weekend, uh, due in large part to a, a hail mary on Thursday, or was that yeah Thursday night? Thursday. As, uh, yeah, as Aaron Rodgers tossed one up a prayer against the Lions and it came down and answered and won, won a game in which there were three-point favorites by four points. Thank you. I will take it. Uh, much needed. Uh, Cleveland did Cleveland. Um, and I swallowed hard when I made this pick. Um, and, yeah, I do deserve to be given a blindfold and a cigarette and shot uh, against the wall for going with the Cleveland Browns as they did what Cleveland does. Um, I've been making fun of them for a while. I don't know what I was thinking on that. And then uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pick, which we already discussed. Um, I think they swept the Falcons. Is that what happened? The Bucks swept they did. the Falcons? What has yes, happened they to did. the Atlanta Falcons? Uh, you know, uh, Dan Quinn came into this thing and was like, oh, this is easy. You know, I'm going to just keep rolling along right here, and it's totally the opposite right now. Yeah, they they really fell apart. I mean, real bad. Yeah, Um now, they've slipped and fallen, and it doesn't look like they're going to get up. So um, I will take that win. I think that runs me to 14-22, and 22. Mr. Accountant. Is that where I'm at on this season? You are 14-22 and 22 in the NFL. But, hey, you're closing the gap. I think by the end of the year you'll be at 500 with me. 
Oh, is that is that well? You know, we can only hope for that at this point because right now I'm sitting at what uh, eight games under 500. Yeah, I but I make feel a run move. coming here. We, we've been doing better Good. the last couple of weeks. I went two and one this week as well, like you. Uh, somehow got carried away with myself and figured the Chargers would play back to back. Uh, good games, and well, that didn't happen. They scored three points, which they had, by the way, in their last home game a couple weeks ago against Kansas City, they scored three points. And uh, the Chargers went down 17 3. It was my only loss in the NFL. Um, I had the Bills minus three against a very hot Texans club. The line just didn't look right to me. At the, you know, it, was, it was hovering around three, three and a half. The Bills have been slumping. They're home. The Texans have won four in a row. I said, mm, it's the NFL. Everything comes back to the middle. And sure enough, Buffalo won the game 30 to 21 win. And like you, I had Tampa Bay. I just, uh, I don't know. I just didn't see Atlanta uh, doing anything there. I think Tampa's the, the hungrier team. I think Atlanta's in complete free fall. And it was a tight ball game. Not it was, and most NFL games are. But Tampa Bay was the right side minus one and a half. So I, I was two and one, and I've got myself to 15 and 22. All right. Well, uh, we're inching up on uh, mediocrity. Do you want to cover our college picks when we're in this segment here? Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about the college football picks, and uh, I guess rightfully so for myself. I went with all the dogs, and it got me a 1-2 and two record this weekend. Uh, I ended up taking in the uh, – uh, my lone winner was Iowa. I thought it would be this kind of game. I think I said as much. I thought it would be uh, a whole back-and-forth, nip-and-tuck kind of thing, and uh, no one would win by more than a field goal. So I've seen rather prophetic on that one. Michigan State, a 22-play, nine-minute drive to close out this game and get the win. How about that? 22-play drive from Michigan State. Um, uh, man, that's a testament yeah. to uh, consistency. So uh, well, they uh, that was my long win. Zone. They were sneaking. They were yeah. sneaking along. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I went with North Carolina. I thought it would be a shootout. I thought, with that being the case, it would be a closer game. I thought we'd I'd also have a field goal game here. It didn't end up being that. North Carolina ended up losing by eight. An exciting game if you like offense. But at the end of the day, in terms of a pick, I lost that one. Clemson wins by eight, and I think uh, the number for me on that one was four and a half, I believe. Four and a half. By the way, it jumped up to Clemson uh, as a a six-and-a-half-point favorite by the time this game kicked off. And then I also backed your boys. We both backed them in this one, and uh, they hit us in the back as they just couldn't stand up before Stanford, and you uh, highlighted it in our opening segment. Uh, Wilcox and the boys on defense just uh, couldn't figure out what they needed to do over there, and Stanford puts up 41 points again on USC. Two games, 41 it, points in They each were right round. in that game, too. Uh, two different – they had the lead in the third quarter. The game was 20-16, to 27-22, and then at the end, and late in the fourth quarter, they just couldn't hold it. And we, we took a loss there. You were 1-2, and two, like you said. You're 26-16, and 16, still a great college record. Uh, me, I mm-hmm. took the loss for USC, like you said. For some godforsaken reason, you said this when I did it, and you were right. Baylor just did not show up on Saturday. Um, given 20, they lost outright to Texas. Very, very uh, embarrassing game for Baylor to, to do that at home. Uh, cost themselves a, a you know major bowl game in the process. Uh, took a loss there. My lone winner, Kansas State, getting 6.5 at home. Outright winner against West Virginia. I just didn't see how West Virginia was a 6.5-point road favorite. So I was 1-2 and two as well. My college record sits at 23 and 19. Yeah, well, we're both uh, above 500 there in college football. College football, I guess, a little easier for us to pick at the moment, I guess. Um, and so, you know, we're we're moving right along in that. But getting back to this NFL, 
the playoff races are starting to shape up. Man, I I had a feeling Seattle might win this game against Minnesota, but not in this fashion, Emil. What are we seeing out of the Seattle Seahawks right now, and should the rest of the NFC be afraid? If Seattle can go on the road and win against a team that's going to be in the playoffs uh, by 31 points, does it matter if Arizona or Carolina has home field advantage? Oh, no. I mean, listen, if Seattle's healthy, the one advantage they're going to have in the playoffs is that they know how to play playoff football. So, you know, I mean, this, this everybody should be aware. I think we're going to find out a lot. I'm very interested. They finished the year with Arizona. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully the game has implications for the playoffs because I want to see both teams go at it in Week 16, and I think we'll get a really good feel for where both those teams are heading into the playoffs if the game has some meaning to it for both, you know, maybe for home field or something. But um, uh, you know, keep an eye on Seattle. They know how to win. They've got a good coach. They've got a quarterback that's, you know, played in two straight Super Bowls. So, you know, he's he's battle-tested. So, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't sleep on them. Here's a game that jumped out to me, and you pointed him out uh, because you've been a supporter of Arizona all year, rightfully so. Um What's going on in St. Louis? Can Jeff Fisher keep this job? Uh, they lose 27-3 at home. They've been really abysmal of late. Uh, and, and I think people have got to be getting restless out there. This is their fifth straight loss, and they have been horrific on offense. Well, Let's go through these last five games. Points scored by St. Louis. 3, 7, 13, 13, 18. I mean, it's ugly, Emil. I mean, there's no quarterback there, but what are are they to do? Well, I mean, no quarterback means you might not win as much, but, I mean, you should be able to get above 3 and 10 in some of these numbers they're throwing up in the NFL. So, um, you know, I I think he's gone. I mean, that's just my gut feeling right now. I, I think at some point the ownership and GM there has to look and say, maybe he's taking this as far as we can, quarterback or not, with this group. And, you know, they're only going to be able to keep these guys together so long before, you know, the salary cap, you're going to have to make some decisions. So I think if you're if you're the Rams, you're going to want to get somebody in there that maybe can maximize uh, that defensive group somehow, play, you know, as Warren said, play some ugly football and win some games because right now, um, you know, they know they don't have a quarterback, but they do have a great running back. And, you know, there might be some ways with a different coaching setup to win some ugly games and get yourself a 10-6 season and get in the playoffs, and then anything can happen. We've got AFC West has quietly become uh, one of, if not the most competitive uh, division in the NFL right now. You had two of the uh, teams on the up-and-coming uh, playing yesterday in Kansas City. I don't know what happened there, but they have turned into monsters. I mean, they lose their, the biggest part of their offense, Jamal Charles, and they've proceeded now to go on a six-game absolute rip. And uh, yesterday they go and play what everyone has believed to be a pretty good Oakland team, and they beat them by double digits, two touchdowns. Kansas City is on the rise. Yeah, well, I think most people felt they were they were underperforming early in the season. I mean, you know, they have some guys that can get after the quarterback there, and that's usually a good a good way to start in the NFL. If you can get after the quarterback, you can you you know you can have a pretty decent defensive effort most afternoons, and they can do that. And you know, I think Reed's an underrated coach. Took a lot of heat, and he made some goofy decisions in Philly, but he also won a lot. And you know, I think mm-hmm. I think people forget just how where the Eagles were when when Andy Reid took over and, you know, how good they were when he was there. I think he's a guy who can coach some football. 
Yeah, sure. Um, and he's certainly showing that in Kansas City. Uh, Oakland having uh, a decent year, and um, they've run into a little bit of some hard luck here of late, losing four of their last five. And unfortunately for them, it's not looking good at this point because now they're going to head to Denver next week. Green Bay after that, who's going to be you know hungry for wins. Uh, maybe they get a break at home against San Diego. Then they're back against these same Chiefs. Not looking like Oakland's going to make the cut here in the AFC. No, when you look up at the end, they'll be what they always are, 6-10. and 10. Good Lord. Too bad for Oakland. <laughs> I believe the future is bright, but uh, it's not going to be bright enough for them here. I watched a little bit of that Jets-Giants game yesterday. Emil, the Giants have a 20-10 to 10, um, lead. You know, in in the second half of this game, I want to say the mid to late part of the third quarter, might have even been into the fourth quarter. Giants down in Jets territory, for some God-forsaken reason, they're in the red zone, decided to go for it. And, you know, our boy Eli Manning just throws a prayer up, gets intercepted. It was on fourth down, so, you know... I don't know how much harm that really is. I think the harm came in the decision that was made to go for it. Um, And instead of getting three points to get them to 23-10 and making it two touchdowns, they end up with the interception. The Jets proceed to go back down the field, get a score, uh, and end up winning this game 23-20. Now, this is maybe the third or fourth instance this year, Emil, where the Giants have failed to manage a late-game situation properly this might be spelling the end there for Tom Coughlin. Of all the things that have happened over the years, this is the kind of stuff that gets a coach fired. Well, if I was Tom and we were in the same family and I got him in the Secret Santa, definitely a book of crossword puzzles. Okay, I'm getting him a book mm-hmm. of crosswords to keep the mind active. Um, because the former Marine, I, I, I don't know if everything's firing well for him up there. Because there's just some things at the end of these games that – you sit there like scratching your head. You're saying, okay, wait a second. 23-10 means they've got to score two touchdowns, and they've scored 10 mm-hmm. points so far. I'm going to think that that's going to be hard for them to do. Like, do you think that mm-hmm. maybe at some point that went through his head? Take the no? points for crying out loud. Take the points. They're 5-6, and six, Emil. They could easily be 8-3. and three. Easily 8-3 and three right now. Sitting pretty in the uh, NFC. Well, first of all, they're 5-7, and yes, they could easily be 8-4. But I guess Easily. that's most NFL teams. You know, you, that's the problem with the NFL. Every game, like Romo, you quoted him that one week, comes down to the last half of the fourth quarter. So in the NFL, there's there's probably about a dozen teams that could sit there and add three wins to their total. Uh, because what, what we all tend to do is we only count the ones, well, we could have won this one, we could have won this one. How about the close ones you won? You could have lost Well, them. in their case, though, those those last-minute ones, they've 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 lost all of them. Oh, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being facetious with you just because I think that's just the M.O. in the NFL. The teams that play well in the last six, seven minutes of a game are the teams that have the best records. Most games are not blowouts. We both know that. Most games are decided by seven points or less. Go down the list every Sunday. There's not many games. You know, even yesterday I didn't look, but I bet you if we went through a week, I, I, just off the top of my head I'm going to guess um, eight. Games were probably decided yesterday by less than a touchdown if we counted them up. 
Uh, listen, so the Giants- uh, I think I've, I've tweeted this out, Emil. Like all of the one o'clock games uh, were in telenovela status. It was heart attack, all of them. San Francisco and Chicago, you didn't know what the heck was going to happen. Tennessee and Jacksonville uh, was up against the wall. Buffalo and Houston came down to the final drive. You know what was going on with the Dolphins and the Ravens. Um, you know, so it, all of these games are coming down to this, and you either know how to manage that situation, or I mean, Tony Romo was absolutely right. You either in this league know how to handle that, or you don't, and you're going to take some L's. Well, for the week, there was uh, eight games decided by less than uh, one score. So you know, count, counting the Thursday game. So you, you know, at the end of the day, the NFL is about the end of the game. So if you're not managing it, you're going to get fired as a coach because that you know, hey, well, that's I know you, actually. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, go ahead. You either know how to manage it or you don't. That's your job as the head guy, and Tom Coughlin just not getting it right. It just might be time um, in New York to, to make a change there. I know you watched this game closely, Philadelphia and New England. I know while you were watching it, you couldn't believe it. I know you're not a big Philadelphia Eagles fan, uh, but you also don't really care too much for the Patriots. But what did you see in that game? Uh, why why were the Eagles able to go in there and win this game 35-28 to in your opinion? Well, I hate to, you know, t- take anything away. They won the game, but I think it was more about, you know, the, the, either you could say they caused the Patriots to implode, I guess, but the Patriots imploded. I mean, you look at the, you know, in that game, the Eagles probably didn't have 200. I didn't look, but I bet you the Eagles didn't have 250 yards of offense in that game or, you know, 260 probably at most. I mean, they just, you know, the Patriots did some things that are unpatriot-like, like throwing 100-yard interceptions great play by the Eagles, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. that's not something Brady does. Um, block punt for a touchdown, punt return. The Eagles killed them on special teams, that's obvious. And, uh, you know, sure. the Patriots are pretty one-dimensional right now. So I'm not sure the Eagles, let's put it this way, if you're an Eagle fan, you might want to give it a couple weeks before you start saying they're going to go on a big run here. <laughs> well, uh, to, to your point, 248 total net yards for the Philadelphia Eagles versus 427 for the New England Patriots. But the Eagles were highly efficient. Uh, Bradford, 14 of 24, but two touchdowns in that. And they managed to run the ball 33 times in this game against the 25 that the New England Patriots had. So um, in a game in which it was tied 14 to 14 at the half, I think that's a little bit indicative of what I've been saying about the Patriots. They've fallen a little bit too much in love with the pass. And when you've lost three of your weapons in the in the wide receiver position, why aren't you running the ball more? Why aren't you pounding people over the head with, with, with Blount? I mean, what did you bring him well, in? Well, the answer for? might be that they can't. Well, maybe I mean, that is, that but simple. that's an indictment a little bit to, you know, I mean, that's a veteran offensive line. And what do you have as an offensive line if you can't move people and run the football and maybe chew up some clock and limit the possessions of a team that thrives on having possessions? I mean, that's something you, you need to, I mean, the Patriots better get well, on we've that been, quick Well, we've been talking about this, though. Brady's been getting hit a lot every game. And yesterday he got sacked four times, not to even mention the knockdowns. That offensive line, frankly, is is not a great group when you watch enough Patriots games. I mean, matter of fact, you take a guy like Brady who gets rid of the ball typically very quickly. He, you know, you you put another quarterback back there who holds the ball for a while. I'd hate mm. to see what they might look look like behind that Patriots offensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. Well. Uh, apparently, just like that, in two weeks, we've got all these massive holes that the uh, New England Patriots need to get out and fix quick, fast, in a hurry, or that ship's going to sink. And this season, for all that it started off looking promising, could end up being a disappointment. Um, last night, the Pittsburgh Steelers, 
go out and just absolutely crunch the Indianapolis Colts. So my question is, where are we going with both of these teams? Can the Steelers make some serious noise in these playoffs if they can get that offense cranked up like that? Um, and, you know, I know I know they had a three-game win streak coming into this, but a loss like this could really set a team to a knee. Um, and I'm talking about the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. They do go to Jacksonville next week. They, you know, But it's not as easy a win as it's been in the past. Where, where are these two teams going? I think the Steelers, the one thing that's going to hold them back is, um, you, you know, their defense against some of the better teams sometimes gets exposed. Their offense is obviously potent. Uh, you know, with mm-hmm. what they can do with Roethlisberger and Brown and the whole group. I don't know, though. It's it's hard for me to see them, you know, winning out of Denver, even mm-hmm. winning out of Cincinnati, believe it or not. I, I, I'm scared to say that, but, I mean, the Bengals have kind of made a believer of me at this point with the way they're playing, especially. Look at the Bengals defensively. They've allowed less than 200 points in 12 games. I mean, they, in today's NFL, that's some pretty damn good defense. Yeah, well, staying on the Steelers and uh, problems with their defense, the Pittsburgh Steelers are another team that's become pass-happy. Let's look at the pass attempts in the last few games, uh, and, and this is before yesterday. But 59 attempts against Seattle, a uh, game that they lost, 39-30. 37 attempts against Cleveland. Then they had 50 against Oakland, a game they uh, held on to the death for. And then when they played Cincinnati, 45 pass attempts. And, you know, they're averaging less than or at around 20 rushing attempts. Um, yeah, you lost Le'Veon Bell, but for all I've seen, um, Williams has been a, a pretty good running back for you. Maybe you do need to you know, pay a little bit more attention to that. I can't really say anything to them after a 45-10 win yesterday, but um, it's, it's in games like this where you feel like you're all right playing it that way that things come back to bite you in the rear end. I mean, 39 attempts yesterday, but... Um, they too have yeah, gotten especially, a little especially against the Colts. I mean, yeah, yesterday is a different. But I think when they get in there with the better teams, if they're going to go pass happy, they're going to have some problems. That's just, just the way I feel. I think I think your quarterback tends to get hit in those games, and you, you'll make a mistake somewhere along the line against a very good defense if you're going to just keep throwing the ball the way they seem to be uh, wanting to throw it now. With you know, and, and you can't blame them with the quarterback receiver combo they have. But you know, they, they've got to become more balanced. That's Steeler football. Running the ball. I'm hearing people make this. I'm I'm hearing people make this foregone conclusion that Peyton Manning is back in the lineup uh, when he's healthy, and it's going to be a tough decision to make. Amal, I don't, you know, I don't envy that organization and the head coach and all the people that are going to be involved in that decision because right now uh, you're winning with Brock Osweiler. If you're the Denver Broncos organization, and let's don't. Don't act like this is a really easy decision to make. What do you do when Peyton Manning comes back healthy? Well, I mean, I think you have to sit down and have a discussion with him and look where the team is and what they're doing. And I just, I mean, I don't see at this point how you make that move. I just feel they're a little bit more dangerous. The guy can threaten the field a little bit more than Peyton. He obviously doesn't have the mind for the game Peyton does, but when the arm doesn't cooperate, you know, it doesn't matter. And as the weather gets colder, you get into some venues with wind. I mean, I'm not, just not sure that you know Peyton can do that right now. What are the ramifications of sitting Peyton Manning in favor of Brock Osweiler? Everybody, if got you had, lose, had this I, I think there's two but parts to that question. You go and you lose in the playoffs with Peyton Manning sitting on the bench, and then what are the ramifications if um, you know Peyton has to watch the team go to the Super Bowl? I, I don't know, but I mean, I know this. It's happened to the best of them. Johnny Unitas was on the bench in San Diego in '72. You know, if you go back and look at mm-hmm. your history, 
You know, like we sure. said on the other show, the, the only undefeated person in this world is Father Time. Oh, uh, yes, and, and and our friend who will be on with us tomorrow, Warren Sapp, uh, has 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 tabbed that of one of two things that are undefeated. We won't really talk too much about the other one. If you're a grown man, you know uh, what he's talking about. Well, the final thing before we head out tonight uh, is is the game, the Monday night football game. Your guys, the Cowboys, taking on, and I shudder to say this, the NFC East leading Washington Redskins. What are your thoughts on tonight's game? Is there any reason for the Cowboys to play well? Feels like a 27-17 Redskins win to me. Uh, me, I'm just rooting for that top three draft pick at this point. Whether the Cowboys <laughs> win three games or five games is of no consequence in my life. I want the top three draft pick. No, well, you might be headed in that direction, especially if the Skins can get this win tonight, uh, which, by the way, the game is in Washington, so it would kind of suggest that this – would be the outcome of this contest. I don't know if the Cowboys organization is into tanking football games, but have no fear, man. Johnny Manziel is on his way to the Cowboys. Oh, boy. <laughs> Can we end on that note? I mean, uh, I wish I could cue up the Ringland Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey uh, theme right here. Yeah, get, get the it, jugglers and the clowns. Get the jugglers yeah. and the clowns. Here we go. Yeah, well, we don't have the Ringland Brothers, but we do have the doors and the end, and it's playing now. And it is time to end this broadcast. Uh, thank you, Blog Talk Radio, for the uh, crummy reception for the second half of this show. I will be writing them a sternly worded letter. How about that, Emil? Oh, I, I bet you they have a digital file on you, buddy. Yeah, they, they probably do. There's probably a Blog Talk Radio drone flying overhead of my home right now, uh, keeping tabs on me, making sure I don't go berserk on these guys. But nevertheless, if you stuck through... Uh, to the end of this broadcast. You're a loyal listener, and we love you, and uh, would like for you to bring others with you. We enjoy doing the show. I know you enjoy listening to it, and uh, we love each and every one of our loyal listeners here on the Gridiron Stud Show. That's it for us today. Straight talk with Warren Sapp tomorrow, and then the usual lineup, the roundtable on Wednesday, the Thursday show where I bring on the college guys, and then we will have our football Friday as usual on Friday this time. So, for all of you out there listening, we'd like to thank you. For Amo Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Enjoy the rest of your day. Get up, so all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.